I want to just uh, leave a thought with you and, and I don't want us to come to service and it becomes social hour. If we come to service, I want us to come to service with a purpose. If I go to a restaurant, I go to the restaurant to eat, right? Because if you don't go to the restaurant to eat, they call it loitering. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we don't want to come to service and just loiter. We want to come with a purpose. We want to be fed. We want to hear from the Lord. And yesterday I, I did some work with that lady and I, my PW, my power washer. She was washing the deck, power washing the deck. And I was doing stuff in the yard and, and finished that. And then we went and did some other stuff. And I was doing something in an awkward position. And I felt my back go. I said, Lord, this is not a good time for this to be happening. <laughs> Nevertheless, it did. But I equate why it happened to me being unprepared. They tell you, you know, folks go out in the yard and they want to do yard work and, you know, they, there's just so much to do and, and, and it's, you know, they get to working and working and working, but they never prepared their body for the exertion. And they pay for it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think, I believe worship is the same way. I don't think you can just walk up and just automatically be in the zone. I, I don't think you walk in the door and, and you can just turn it off. If it was that easy to turn the world off, do you know how far ahead we would be? So there's got to be a process by which we hit the switch to turn it off. And that switch is usually during devotion at some point. But I think that you can benefit from devotion when your mind is prepared for devotion. Amen. So I want us, and you heard me say it this morning, I want us to begin to get into the habit of just kind of just, we, we can fellowship after service. But when we come into service, let's come into worship. Amen. Let's, let's come into worship. Let's come in so that our mind is prepared to worship. You know, if you come in late, you know, you, you don't have to you don't have to wave at everybody. Because if you watch some folk in service that it's almost like, you know, just go to your seat, sit down, you late. Amen. And it, it, it introduces distraction when people may be trying to focus and they force you to acknowledge them because you wait. Because if you don't wave back, they're going to get an attitude. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm in this place because I want us to be prepared. And the only way that you get prepared is by practicing preparation. Amen. There's no sense in us coming in and, and the spirit is full this morning in devotion and worship. Now how much more 
could we extract from that if we are prepared in it? We talk about ushering in the Spirit. No, we shouldn't have to usher the Spirit in. The Spirit should be here, and you should bring your portion of it with you. Amen? And if we are singing, let all the earth keep silence before him, we should wait, we shouldn't wait to that song to turn the world off. Amen? When you're a child and you're trying to quiet your child down, they get, you gotta, you gotta quiet them down before they actually go to sleep. Amen. They don't just, well, some kids can just pass out. But by that time, they've worn themselves out. Right? Who wants to worship and be in worship and get to worship when you've worn yourself out? As opposed to just being able to move into it gracefully. So I pray that you just take heed to that and, and work with me on that so that and I know that you may hear the instruments, you may hear us doing several things, and you may see me moving around. That's not necessarily licensed for social behavior. Amen? I want to make sure that everything is prepared so that when the service, the call to worship comes, everything is in order, and I don't have to worry about or bother anything. Amen? Can we do that? That, that would make life, that would make our experience so much more fulfilling. Because I believe that if we come to God with a purpose, he will respond to our need. I, I know we say, any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. But how many of you really, really know that you have something specific that you're asking God for? Amen. Now, I want to talk about that, but I'll talk about that part of it later. Uh, right now, we just want to make sure that we know that there's intention. There, there's intention. Amen. The woman with the issue of blood sought Jesus with intention. She she had she had a she had a goal in mind. Amen. She had a goal in mind. She said, "I, I want to get to him." And I'm going to get to him by any means necessary. Amen. And she pressed her way towards the man of God. And because of her press, because of her diligence, God met her need. Amen. God met her need right where she needed it. Amen. So we bless God. I thank God for you and especially you. Uh, I thank God for all those again that are that are helping Faith and Robert and Mr. Bryant and Dominic and, and Mr. Uh, Sonia. We, we you know we, we you see us doing some new things, trying to put some things together to figure out how to make it more beautiful and to kind of make it comfortable for us. Uh, I think the curtains look nice, and we thank God for them. And, you know, it is, it's my intention for us to get here early enough so that we can set up, and then we all can go into Sunday instruction. Amen. I'd, I'd like for us all to be able to. I'd like to be able to get it set up such that I can still spend half an hour, forty minutes with you. Uh, and I'm not just tied to uh, equipment for the entire morning period. Amen. We now have space to kind of branch out and do some things. So I want to make I want to make sure that we are utilizing that space fully. Amen. Don't don't just come to service late. Sunday instruction starts at 10:30. Amen. And purpose. I, I know things happen, but purpose to be here at 10:30. Amen. God is moving in Sunday instruction. Amen. God is God is doing something there. Amen. And 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 that is because He's God. 
Amen. And because of the consistency of the planning and the lesson, God is, God is, see, if you meet, if the Holy Ghost knows that you're at a certain place at a certain time every single day, he will be waiting for you. And I, and I don't, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, become very conscious of my language as, as if the Holy Ghost has gotta come from someplace to meet you someplace. We, we use that language, uh, and I think it's, it's deceptive, it, it's this, this, this deception in it, because God don't have to come from anywhere. He's already there. Amen? But what we do is when we, when we meet him spiritually in a certain particular posture, we will find that he will rise up on the inside of us. When we turn the world off, he turns on. Amen? Amen. So we, we thank God for uh, Minister Watson and, and the lessons that have been going forward. Um, and, and, and planning, and she communicates with me, and we go through things and tie stuff together. God is just moving in that space. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for the adults that are sitting through those classes. Don't, don't take it lightly what is even being distributed. Go home and study it. It is, it doesn't benefit us at all. It is for your growth and your benefit. Go home and do what the Bible says. Study. To show thyself approved. Amen. One more thing and I'm going to get into the lesson. How many of you drove here? How many rode in the car? How many took the bus? How many walked? Anybody, did I leave out anything? Train? How many took the train? Did you take a, a bus after, you take a train after the bus? A bus after the train? Then a bus, okay. How many of you remember the third building on the left? You, you remember the third building on the left? Do you remember the fifth building on the right? Do you remember the red building? Y'all are looking at me like, Pastor has lost his mind. He should not have been in the yard that long. I want to show you something. Because when we're going to get quiet in service, I want you to think of it just like that. You took a ride here. You don't remember any of the buildings that you passed. You saw them when you saw them. And then you let them go. You didn't hold on to any of them, did you? When we sit in meditation, when we sit quietly before the Lord, how many of you, your mind is going, What I want you to do is act like you're sitting on the bus and step out of your body and watch all of those thoughts just go by. Just watch them go by. Don't hold on to any of them. Just let them go. Just, just let them go. Don't hold on. No prejudice, no condemnation, no, no, no judgment, no nothing. Just let it, it passes. Oh, okay. Okay. Just let it pass. When we can become an observer of our lives and just look at it and not, and not feed into every thought, you'll find that your mind starts to become still. Because you're not really focusing on anything in particular. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? Just, just watch them. Act like it's, it's just you. 
You sat down, you closed your eyes, you kind of stepped out of yourself. You are now looking back at yourself and all of these thoughts that are just going right, left and right. I'm not paying any attention to any of it. After you've done that for a little while, then I want you to, to, to turn your focus inward. Just, just inside. And when I say turn it inward, it's like you now close your eyes to all of this stuff going by. How many of y'all have ever gone to sleep on the train? On the bus? How many of you were so bad you had it down to a science that you knew when to wake up? <laughs> you have no idea how you did it, but you knew when to wake up. Isn't that funny? That tells me that there is a component of your mind at that point that was still conscious. It was aware of what was happening around you. That's meditation. That's the quick version. Okay, that's it. I'm going into the lesson. I wanted to share that with you because I want us to understand that as we move through destiny, as we move through these lessons, as we move through these scriptures that God is revealing, they're, 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 the scriptures are just there for you to think on. They're not for you to ask God for anything. They're just for you to think on. It's for you to step back, be an observer of your life, and just think on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you. It's just to step back, take a look at your life, and observe what God has done in your life. If we think about the universe and all of the stars, if we think about the forest and all of the trees, if we think about the ocean and the vastness of its water, if we think about the depth of the sea and all of the fish and all of the animals that live in the sea, do you know that after a while you begin to understand how awesome God really is? How many of you thought about the sun rising this morning? But you couldn't stop it, and you couldn't start it. That's because God said, it's coming up when I say for it to come up. The tide flowed in and out twice in the last 24 hours. We didn't pay no attention to it, but it still happened because God said so. Because he's awesome. Let's, let's begin to understand how awesome, how great, how wonderful is our God. Last two, three weeks, we've been talking about destiny. We've been resting in destiny. We've been looking at it in several facets. We've been looking at Luke and the birth of Jesus and the birth of John, and we have understood that in Luke, there's a play on destiny. If I just review last few weeks, we realized that destiny is what? Already ours. Know that destiny is already ours. We realize that destiny will be revealed. We realize that destiny will be announced. We said that destiny will be confirmed. We turned around and said that destiny required a prepared vessel. We were clear that that prepared vessel was going to have to go through some labor pains. And that the labor pains were not worthy to be compared to the glory of what was going to be revealed. That we should not look at our labor pains as struggle, strife, suffering, but that we are in the process of bringing forth something wonderful. We realize that destiny must be birthed and that 
the destiny that is in you can only be birthed by you. We confirmed, we attested, and we were clear that we ought not compare destiny. Because what's in me is what's in me. What's in you is what's in you. But what's in each of us is important and it is for a designated time to fulfill a designated purpose. We realize that destiny is not a destination, but that destiny would be fulfilled. Each destiny has a specific job to accomplish and that job is yours. We wrapped Sister Esther into destiny because we realized that Esther had destiny on her life in spite of her situation being an orphan. She still found herself in a place of divine purpose. We understood that even as Mordecai spoke to her about her destiny, that she had a realization that I must fulfill what God has set for me to fulfill. And that it didn't matter what Haman tried, destiny was still going to show up. I want you to realize this week as we move into part three that the enemy does not fight you for where you are. The struggles that you're having right now are not because of where you are today. The struggle is for where God is trying to take you. The fight is for your destiny. Now we realize as well that destiny is invisible. Now I'm going to use a play on words. Because there's visible, that which we see, and then there's invisible, that which we don't see. Are you with me? But if we break the word invisible up, invisible, If we say that destiny is invisible, that means it can only be seen on the inside. The manifestation of destiny is visible. That is seen on the outside. But destiny itself is invisible. When we're watching all of our thoughts go by, and we turn inward, we're going to begin to look at the things that are only invisible. Because what's happening on the outside is fleeting. It's passing. It's not stationary. It's ever-changing. Red, green, blue, orange building, black, tall building, short building, many windows, no windows, a beat-up building, beautiful building. It, it's, all, it's always going to be changing. And as soon as you find one thing that you like, guess what? You're going to find something better than that in the next block. You like the blue car. Oh, I like the red car now. Oh, I like it. So we get in the car and we play this game called dibs. So we dib all of the cars that we like, that we think are the best. So we'll dib the Corvette. Oh, and then come along the Charger. And then we'll dib the Charger. And then we'll dib the Suburban. Oh, and then we'll dib something else. Okay, we dib the cars that are better than other cars. See? I know how to play the game. So, when we look at things that are invisible, 
God is always going to show us the best. God doesn't show us average. God does not reveal eh. God only shows you the best. Invisible allows you to say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Are ye of God, little children, and have overcome them? Because greater is he that is in you that is in the world, 1 John 4 and 4. The invisible sometimes is so large that you struggle with what God showed you. Because normally when God shows you something, it is so enormous that it blows your mind. And, and you know that you can't bring it to pass on your own. So in our humanity, what we do is because it is so enormous and so vast and we really can't comprehend it all and we don't understand how that's going to happen. What we try to do is we try to help God and we dumb it down. And instead of going for the best which God revealed to us, we then begin to justify, well, no, I can't have that, so I'll settle for this. When God is saying, I don't want you to have this, I need you to have that. Because that is what I've purposed for you. You can't settle where you want to, you've got to go where I'm sending you. Abraham. Go to a place where I've shown. Interesting thing is, the instruction came to his father, Haran. Haran settled. Didn't go no further. So Abraham had to pick up the message and go to the place where God was trying to get the children to go to. Many times we settle in places that we ought to just be passing through. Oh, somebody ought to write that down. Don't settle in a place that you're supposed to be passing through. I don't care how beautiful we make this. Don't y'all get settled here. Because we just, the only way we, we, we settle here is when, is if we own here. But don't settle where you should just be passing through. When you begin to acknowledge the invisible, you know that you have to acknowledge God. Because destiny requires that you acknowledge the author of destiny. If he's the author and the finisher, then he understands the end from the beginning. He already knows where you're supposed to end up. But it requires that we acknowledge him. We have to ask God for his help. We have to thank him for his goodness. We have to meditate on his word. Because when we don't, it's a form of pride that says, God, I don't need your help. And whether we acknowledge that we say it or not, sometimes that's what we do. Our actions dictate that we don't need God's help. Abraham and Sarah tried to help God. That didn't work out so well. 
Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, shall be given you. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth to him that knocketh, it shall be open. If we look at the word seek, it means to require as a vital necessity. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found, Isaiah 55 and 6, and call upon him while he is near. Looking at the invisible, acknowledging him, and seeking him requires, as we talked about before, that we let go. Come on, come on, Sister Iris, sing it. Let it go. You know that's your song now. Come on. Looking at the invisible, acknowledging him, seeking him requires that we let it go. You know that saying, let go, let God. It means putting down the thing that means the most to you and watching God. It's trusting. It means that after he has given you the child of your promise, And then he turns around and tells you, go sacrifice. And you go, God, really? Did you, did you really just ask me to do that? First of all, you let me do something that is above average anyhow. And I have a child just, just, you know, just in miraculous circumstances. And now you telling me to go sacrifice the child? Abraham couldn't hold on to Isaac until he was willing to keep, give him up. Some of the things that we really want to hold on to, you got to be willing not to have it at all. There must be a detaching. There, there, there must be a having it without a need to have it. There has to be an attachment without wanting it. It's kind of like oxymoronic, isn't it? It's like this ain't making no sense. How can I want it and not have it? How can I need it and not want it? How can I keep it but give it away? That, that's how God operates. When we let it go, he lets you have it. Because you can't keep what you keep. You can only keep what you give away. Give and it shall be. That's why giving precedes receiving. Which is contrary to how the world operates. You've got to know that when you let things go, if we're looking at things that are in Visible, we're seeking God and acknowledging Him, then we have to be willing to let go of everything that we think is important. Because that's the only way that we're going to receive what God has for us as it relates to destiny. Because you can't bring it to pass yourself. And that will be read last because I can of mine own self do nothing. So we got to let go. We got to trust. I, 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 I 
appreciate what Mr. Watson said that Genesis 22 and 2 talk about worship for the first time. And the word of worship engages the mind. The fruit of worship feeds the body. The seed of worship prepares the spirit. And the fruit of that seed is miracle. So when we worship, the emotional man is fed, the physical man is fed, the spiritual man is fed, and when all of them eat, you can look for a miracle. If you feed anyone less, if you feed just the mind, you don't feed the mind, the body, or the spirit, you're going to have a problem. That's people that seek education all the time, education, education, but there's no other fulfillment in their lives. If you feed the body and don't feed the mind or the spirit, well, we know what that looks like. It looks like an unhealthy body. If you feed the spirit and don't feed the mind or the body, then you are spiritually wonderful but no earthly good. You've got to feed the whole person. You've got to feed the entire body. Talked about it earlier that destiny never accepts less than. Destiny never accepts less than. We should never settle for less than when we know God has more than. We should never diminish our requirement for more because the world wants to give us less. Well, this is all I can get. No, it's not. And as long as you acknowledge, as long as you seek, as long as you look for the invisible and trust him, God will show you the more. But you've got to be willing to lose it. You know the saying, bird in the hand, worth more than two in the bush. God is saying, give up what's in your hand and I'll give you what's in the bush. And we going, oh, let me hold on to that. I know what I got. And you asking me to give this up for something that I don't have yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't have it yet, but I'm trusting God for it because God would not have shown it to me if I could not have had it. God's not going to show you something that he's not willing to give to you. God's not that kind of God. He doesn't tease you. He doesn't deceive you. He doesn't trick you. That's what the devil does. Look what I got for you. I'll give you, isn't that what he did with Jesus? If you just bow down and worship me, look at all of the worlds that I will give you. How are you going to give him something he don't own? How are you going to give me something that you don't have? So destiny never really accepts less than. God always reveals perfect expression. Jesus on the cross said in John 19 and 30, he said, it is finished. He didn't do half a job. He finished the job. And because he finished the job, he got a righteous reward. Isn't that right? 
He got exactly what he was supposed to get because he finished the work. Spirit is always for expansion and fuller expression. God is always about expanding. That's why the forest, if you leave it alone, it will take over. Because it's always looking to expand. Life procreates. That's what life does. Plants in your garden will create more plants. More flowers will create more flowers. More trees will create more trees. More people will create more people. Are you with me? That's what's required. Fuller expression. Expansion. God did not bless you so that you can hold on to all of it yourself. Paul said, I count not to have apprehended. This one thing I do. Forgetting. Those things which are behind. Pressing. Towards the mark. Pressing towards the mark. We got to know that there's always going to be a mark. And you should not accept anything less than hitting the mark. Even if I don't hit it, I'm not going to stop trying. I might fall down. It said a just man falls how many times? Seven. I think I'm on about eight. But I'm still just. Why? Because I know my relationship with my father. I want you to understand. All of the rain has caused our garden to just explode. And every time I went to clean it out, it rained some more. When I went out there to start cleaning it out, it was just like, OMG. We, stuff I didn't recognize, I didn't know what it was. I, I said, if I don't recognize it, I'm pulling it up. But we can't focus on the weeds of our lives. You got to focus on the destiny of our lives. If I had focused on all of the weeds in the garden, I would have gotten frustrated and may not have done anything. But when we know that in the middle of all of the weeds, there's something that is good, then you seek to tear out all of the stuff that is around the good stuff and keep the good stuff. Now, while it was raining, I had to allow the wheat and the tear to grow together. But on the first day of S-O-N, I was yanking out stuff that I didn't recognize because I needed what was supposed to be in my garden to stay there. We need to examine our lives to make sure that when the weeds are trying to grow with our destiny, that there's going to come a time when you're going to have to separate it. God gives us authority to separate some things out of our own lives. We talked about that a few months ago, growing in a changing season. Snow on the ground, but yet the field is still getting green. Growing in the middle of a changing season. Destiny does not always show up when it's convenient, and it doesn't always show up when you think it's supposed to. It shows up when God says destiny is supposed to show up. Once I cleared out all of the weeds, I realized how full and how beautiful the flowers and the shrubs and the hostas and everything else that was in the garden that was there. Weeds are the strongest right before harvest. 
Because they want you to be confused. They want you to be discouraged. They want you to give up. They want you to quit. So you got to realize that when you see a whole lot of weeds, that means you're too close to harvest. Even you see a whole lot of weeds, know that your ground is fertile. But don't focus on the weeds. Focus on the harvest. Destiny is not easily offended. I want to say that again. Destiny is not easily offended because we realize that Corinthians tells us says though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Charity is not easily offended. Luke 23, 34, allowed Jesus to sit on a cross and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't get offended because of what they were doing to him. How many times do we just get offended because of something that's happened? How many times do we take the liberty of just being offended, wanting to be offended, allowing offense to take over our lives, allowing it to separate us. The Bible tells us in Matthew 18 and 22 that we ought to forgive how many times? 70 times 7. That's a whole lot of forgiveness. So you got to forgive a whole lot before you can get offended. Some of us don't get past one. We don't, we don't make it to one. How many times did you forgive him? I didn't. Well, then, then, but it, it, it didn't say 69. It says 70 times 7. Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 43 and 48, it says to love your enemies. If we love our enemies, then we won't be offended when they act like enemies. And if you love your enemy long enough, they'll become your friend. Even if they are a footstool, they'll be your friend. They will lift you to another level. I want to close today with just this, this one thing. That destiny 
cannot be denied. Destiny cannot be denied. It doesn't matter what you go through in your own life, and what it looks like, and it really doesn't matter what you've been through. When destiny's on your life, it can't be denied. You can try to excuse it, you can try to explain it away, you can try and discount it, you can try and uh, devalue it, but when it's on you, it's just simply on you. You can't hide it, you can't deny it, because it keeps showing up in your life. When we think about Joseph, destiny just kept showing up in his life. It didn't matter what was happening to him. It just kept showing up. He just kept rising to the occasion. He just kept rising to the top. You got to know that if you are yet in this body and you have overcome trial and tribulation, that there's something that God desires and has designed for you to complete. And you've got to complete that. You've got to know that he would not just allow you to exist. He doesn't want you to exist. He came that you might have life, not just exist, and have that life more abundantly. He didn't come so that you could just make it. He didn't come so that you could maintain. And when we use that kind of language, we're, 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 we're using it because we don't want to reach for the more. How many of you get tired of this struggle? You just go, you know what? This is just it. I'm going to be okay where I'm at. And, and, and the disturbing thing is the more that you keep saying, I'm going to be okay just where I'm at, the more this gnawing in your spirit keeps saying, oh, no, you won't. And you keep dreaming. And you keep having this thought that keeps being reintroduced to your spirit, man. And your mind continues to be fed by your spirit, man. It says this is what's burning in your heart. And you keep going, but no, I don't want to do that. Or no, I can't do that. Or I'm too old to do that. Or I don't have the experience to do that. And it's saying, don't worry about what you know. Lean on what I know. If you trust me, I'll give you the knowledge that you need in order to fulfill what it is that I have purposed in you to fulfill. Destiny can't be denied. Timothy tells us in 2 Timothy 1 and 3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembered of thee, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And he turns around and says, and I am persuaded that is in you also. I've watched you sit under ministry for a minute and if, I, if, I, if everybody else got a piece, I'm persuaded that it's in you also. I believe that there's something there on the inside, Timothy, and that you're going to have to stir up. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that is in thee by the putting on of my hands. It is in 
visible. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I love that scripture because of its revelation. Paul is telling Timothy that God has not given us the spirit of fear. not giving us the spirit of fear. But it says clearly and distinctly, it says that he has given us the spirit of power. That's God the Father. It says that it gave us the spirit of love. That's the Son. And it has also given us the spirit of a sound mind. That's the Holy Ghost. Because a sound mind operating under the Holy Ghost, it is the full activity of God in your life. And we can operate in the full activity of God in our lives because God said I'm not going to leave you alone I'm not going to leave you comfortless I'm going to send the comforter and he's going to bring you into all truth he's going to remind you of everything I have ever said in your life I'm going to remind you of the truth that is in you Now, the interesting thing is, I realized that Peter denied Jesus. But in Acts, <laughs> Peter woke up. I realized that in his awakening, his life was stirred. His life was never the same. And I'm closing with this one thought. John, the sixth verse, sixth chapter, the 66th verse. You know, you watch the Exorcist and hear about 666. You know, they've got to get off. Everybody gets all weirded out, right? You know, building, oh, oh, you can't have, you know, if your building, if they had the number 666 on the building, oh, it would just be, oh, you, oh, God forbid it was black and it had 666 on it. Oh, oh, there would be, there would be, you'd have protesters and everything outside. But if we read the 66th verse of the sixth chapter, of John, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That is the model. We cannot afford to turn away from God. Not when he's put something on the inside. Not when we seek him. Not when we acknowledge him. Not when we realize that destiny must be birthed. Not when we realize that it's got to come through us. Not when we realize and understand that, that the full activity of God is uh, available to us. Not when we understand that it is not easily offended. Because only, only when you get offended do you turn away. We cannot deny destiny in our lives. There's something in you that you must fulfill. And you will fulfill. There's something in you that God requires. And you will fulfill. And realize that when you let go of your desire, and you hold on to God's desire, 
that your desire ends up being his desire. And then he blesses you out of delight. And you find yourself blessed in your rapture. Let's make sure that as we continue to walk through destiny, we're going to be here for a minute. Because God is trying to get us to understand divine places. There's some things that he placed in you, and there's some things and places that he's placed you in. And he's placed you in for such a time as this. He's placed you here for such a time as this. This is not accident. This is all divine design. This is not happenstance. This is not luck. This is God's ordered steps. Says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I happen to believe that we are good people, good men and women of God. And I happen to believe that our steps are ordered by God. And I happen to believe that God has destiny in each and every one of our lives. And I happen to believe that as we continue to minister and worship one with another, that we will continue to see God grow on the inside of each and every one of us. I'm seeing growth in this season that I didn't see in 111. Why? Because God had to move you from another place. There's some things that can only happen when you get moved. And that will only happen in the shift. Abraham could not be blessed until he shifted. He couldn't be blessed where he was. And he had to let Lot go. Love you. But we got to part ways. Not because of some offense. Because Lot could have got offended. We're not parting ways because of offense. We're parting ways because I must be about my father's business. So if you get upset with me, I'm okay because I understand that you don't understand. And I'm okay with you not understanding. I pray that God gives you clarity and you understand it better by and by. There are some things in our lives that are not going to be convenient, but I declare that destiny is in this house. Destiny is being fed, it's being nourished, destiny is alive and well. I want you to understand that this is not your end. If you think that this is the best that it's going to be, your best days have not even come yet. But keep looking for it. Keep seeking him for it. Keep thanking him for it. Keep worshiping for it. Keep blessing him. And as God blesses you, continue to be a blessing to somebody else. Because you can only keep what you give away. Don't get hung up on what you give away. Because the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to God. It all belongs. Even the little things that you think that you holding on to all belong to God. We give God praise, we give Him thanks, we give Him honor. You receive it in your life. Say amen. Say amen. Amen. Pray that something said or done will make a difference in your life. Pray that even as we come through these lessons and we study. And we continue to have God move in us and through us.
as we continue to look to him to explain what's necessary for us. I'm confident that it's in the quietness, in the confidence, it's in the rest, it's in the return that we're going to find our strength. I think the outward expression of our worship is fine. Let's turn inward and light that fire. Because we can light the fire on the outside and it'll appear that all is well when on the inside it's empty. I'd rather we walk around full on the inside and it be quiet on the outside. You'll walk into a place full of confusion and peace will come through the room. Why? Because the place that you now stand is holy. That doesn't happen by singing songs on the outside. That happens from a change on the inside. And the only way that you can affect that change on the inside is by seeking God, by acknowledging Him, and by trusting. Look at yourself and say, destiny is mine. Destiny is mine. Destiny is mine. God bless you. God keep you. God love you. My father's children. Father's children. Come on, let's give God some praise. At this time, we're going to prepare ourselves for the offering. And our tithes and all of the affairs and business that you need to settle. I pray that you would do that quickly and decently and in order. Let us remember that this is yet part of worship. And although we are moving around physically, our spirit man should still be still and resting in the Word. I pray that even as you go through this season. Study. If you're not listening to the podcast online, then study the Word. Don't allow this to pass you by and you get nothing from it. Don't allow this season of, of fertilizing and richness to pass you by and you get nothing from it. Don't allow the seeding of the Holy Ghost in your life in this season to pass you by, and you get nothing. Amen? This is your time. This is your season. The rain has come. It's time to grow. It's time to bloom. It's time to flourish. It's time to reproduce. It's time to make disciples. Amen? Hallelujah. Standing all over the building, won't you follow the instructions of the ushers? Won't you come, bring your offering, your tithes, amen, and bless the Lord in the spirit of worship.